Hey guys, welcome back to our podcast. The topic today is going to be facing uh, uncertainty with boldness and confidence. And I think you're really going to enjoy the conversation I had with uh, Joe Roberts. Joe knows a thing or two about facing uncertain times. He is a retired fighter pilot who's flown nearly 300 combat missions. And uh, so he has faced a lot of really uh, perilous situations. And uh, then he spent the last 40 years coaching leaders on an international level. And so uh, this is the audio from a recent video podcast that we posted on our Facebook page. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to be introducing you to different sages in our church. And uh, we're just going to be learning from guys, again, who have logged a lot of miles in life. They've, they've learned to live well. And if you do want to watch the video, a portion of this, you can go to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash men of new life. But enjoy the conversation with Joe Roberts. Joe, thanks for being with us today. It's really good to be here. Yeah, thank you. And that's uh, an honor. I, I said this at a recent uh, men's gathering uh, and I was teaching the men about walking with God and how God consistently invites us each day to walk with him. And I, I pointed you out in front of the entire group, Joe, because uh, what I've noticed as I've just observed the way you, you live life, uh, you've walked with God for a long time, decades and decades and decades. And yet here you are in your seventies and you still have a fire that, that burns inside of you. You're one of the most passionate men I know, even in your 70s. Yeah. And uh, I just think that's inspiring. And well, thank so, you. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, uh, I, I just feel really feel blessed of God that, that I can still uh, you know, have my wits about me and, uh, uh, and have the energy to do what I feel God wants me to do. Yeah, so it's, been, mm -hmm. it's, a, great, it's a great honor. Yeah, thank you. Tell us, tell us a little bit more about you, Joe. You've been married to yeah. Heidi for over 50 years. And uh, tell us more about your background. Sure. Uh, I'm uh, born in Kansas, uh, down in the southwest part of Kansas when I was two years old. Uh, uh, my father, who was a farmer, decided to become a rancher. So he took me and my three brothers and uh, my mom, and, and we went up into the sand hills of Nebraska. And... Uh, onto a cattle ranch there, some 2,000 acres um, out in the, in the Midwest. And uh, then he let us four boys free, you know, when we became the workforce. And, and so we just grew up on this, uh, on this ranch, uh, uh, had a great time, you know, doing things, went to a school that was about um, 30 minutes away, something like that. Very often we'd have to, to the, the, the small school we went to, we'd have to walk to school and, and walk back. So we had lots of time to kind of be on our own and those kind of things. And one of the things I dreamed about then was uh, flying airplanes and seeing them go overhead and saying, I wonder where they're going and watching these contrails and saying, you know, one day, wouldn't it be nice if I got a chance to go fly those? And um, sure enough, uh, the opportunity came when I was 15. I was asked by uh, an Air Force recruiter that came by our high school to say, hey, uh, you qualify to uh, at least uh, – try to get into the Air Force Academy. Um, uh, do you want to go for a nomination? Um, about 5,000 people will apply out of the state of Nebraska. 
we've only got four or five slots. So there's not a you know, big chance you get there. No one from this school's ever ever gone there, but would you like to give it a try? And, and I thought, wow, that would be terrific. We'd gone on holiday one time by the Air Force Academy. We thought, man, that would be a great place to be able to, uh, to go to school and obviously learn to fly. And my dad wouldn't have to pay for it. So, hey, this looked like a real win. And uh, so off we, we went and I went through the Air Force Academy uh, graduated from there. Uh, we were the 10th graduating class. So that was uh, 50 some years ago now, 52 years ago there. And um, it was in the high Vietnam War. So uh, we went to pilot training, graduated pretty high on the, in the rank of, uh, of, of uh, getting through that uh, experience uh, with about, I think 70 of us or so. And uh, I got one of the the slots that went straight to Vietnam uh, as a uh, forward air controller in an OV-10 airplane. Yeah, so uh, that was kind of our experience. And then back from there, I became an instructor pilot um, after Vietnam. Uh, and then we set up a business in England uh, when I was about 33 years old. I just felt this thing that the Air Force wasn't the where I wanted to spend the rest of my life. Felt very much called of God uh, to do something differently. Um, so we, I got out of the Air Force and set up a training and development company working, first of all, with Dale Carnegie organization for about eight years. And then a friend of mine and I, we set up our own business in the UK, working with uh, corporate leaders uh, in the whole area of leadership and management development. And that's when I really got into my passion, which is uh, coaching and helping people to discover kind of some of the things that are going on inside and a kind of a picture God gave me that uh, each of us have uh, a treasure chest uh, inside. And that's what I got a picture of is this treasure chest is filled with dreams and ambitions and, and gifts and, and, and treasures and all of all kinds. And, and that uh, God kind of laid a, on my heart to, you know, you be one of those people that helps people use their gifting and open up their treasure chest and yeah. to move forward. And so that's kind of the start of, uh, of the journey. And then about five years ago, having been there for 35 years, we came back to the uh, United States and we wanted to see the sunshine. And, and we really felt called that uh, Colorado was a place he wanted us to be. Uh, we found the church, New Life Church, and then we found a house. <laughs> so, and we did it in that order. And uh, we've never looked back. It's been a, mm. a great, great time. Yeah. Wow, it's amazing. So uh, you've experienced something that very few people will ever experience, and that's flying a fighter jet. Mm. So share more about that. What, what's that like? I know there's a lot that you could probably say about it. Yeah. Yeah. Take us inside, take us inside okay. the cockpit. What is that like? Okay. You're sitting at the controls of this incredibly powerful machine. Okay, I'll, I'll take you to uh, an experience we had just about the, my last days before we stopped flying an airplane, and we were on our way to Norway, yeah, and I was in an F-4, and being uh, one of the more senior uh, officers at that time that were flying F-4s, I was uh, uh, one of the people who was an uh, instructor on that particular airplane, and so here we were lined up, um, and there were like 16 airplanes getting ready to take off, and I was one of the, uh, of the leaders on that, on that particular mission, so we pull up side by side in, in, in the other with a cockpit. And uh, you would hold on the brakes and they'd say, get cleared for takeoff. So what you do is you'd run the power up to 100%. And at that 100%, obviously the airplane starts shaking, you know, 
um, there's an excitement in your in your own system because boy, but you're having to hold those brakes to keep that airplane from moving. And then you, you check all the instruments really, really quickly. And then once you've got the instruments checked, then there's a, a way of checking them real quickly so that you don't spend a lot of time. Then you turn over to the wingman, yeah, and then you tap your helmet and you say, okay, we're getting ready to go. He says, watch my helmet is what I was telling him. Yeah. And then I would go, boom, like that, put my head forward and both of us would release the brakes, go full afterburner power. Yeah. And, and all there's these four engines that then would explode, boom. Yeah. And we'd start sh shooting off down the runway. And then at that point in time, obviously, you want to keep really, really straight so you don't get your wingman in trouble. And, and then you just pull, pull back on the stick. And exactly at 130 knots, the airplane, the nose of the airplane starts to come up. Yeah. And then once it comes up, then all of a sudden it kind of shoots in the air and you hold it about a 10 degrees, a 10 degrees pitch. Yeah. You look over to your wingman, see that he's airborne, and then you, you flip your head again, raise the handle on there, and the, and the uh, simultaneously his gear, uh, rewind as well as yours do yeah and then flaps come up yeah and then we shoot off into it you know and just keep right on climbing on up there until you get the thirty thousand wow. feet and off and i tell you the thrill never ever stopped yeah and uh one of the things i'm the most proud of is i have just as many landings as i do takeoffs you know and that's been a really great experience so that's what but, it's like flying a bit yeah <laughs> well you described that uh so well i mean that that's amazing and i know uh, just from hearing you share some stories, you had over 300 combat missions. Is that right? Yeah, 293. But yeah, who knows? Yeah, that's right. It's around 293. But who, who's counting? <laughs> well, who's counting? So, yeah, that's right. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about today, Joe, is is facing uncertainty. Of uh -huh. course, we're all navigating this this season where there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of anxiety. Just a lot of unknown. And as a as a fighter pilot uh, who has 293 combat mission uh, flights, you know something about facing uncertainty. So tell us, yeah. share some wisdom. What, what have you learned from your experience that allowed you to face uncertainty with, with a level of confidence? Well, uh, yeah, thanks, uh, Gabe. That's a, it's a, it's a good question. And what has kind of uh, God done with me? And I, I think one of them was I really, really uh, appreciate the way I was raised by my my parents. My dad was a was an entrepreneur. He uh, uh, never worked for uh, anyone else in his life until he got uh, a bit older when he after he sold the ranch. And so he had that kind of entrepreneur spirit. And and uh, those of uh, us that have grown up in the country know that you never know what the season's going to be like. You know, it is a time of uncertainty all the time. You don't know what the weather's going to do whether or not the, the cows are going to get sick or whatever it is. So I think uh, uncertainty was, was there all the time. And, and I am just so thankful that I had that kind of that background of, of being a bit of a dreamer, you know. And because uh, like I said, on these walks to school and back home from school and driving around in a tractor at five miles an hour or whatever it is, you have a lot of time to dream. And so I used to think, well, what about, what, what could we do this? So I think part of it for me, I just am thankful that God put a, a yes in my spirit. You know? And so whenever something new comes up, I don't think, oh, no, what might go wrong? Uh, I, I have that kind of sense of, oh, great, another opportunity to see, uh, to test myself, to see whether or not I can match this, uh, this uncertainty that's going on out there. Get out of my comfort zone, as I would like to say it. And 
I've learned uh, there's a great book that uh, uh, a nephew of mine uh, helped write called uh, Being uh, Comfortable with Being Uncomfortable. And I think, you know, again, I think there's just a lot of wisdom in that, you know, being able to not be surprised by change and by uh, uncertainty, but to say, hey, this is another opportunity. Yeah. So that's, I think, what, what I would say, first of all. In, in Vietnam, uh, I was a Christian then. I, I don't know if I was, would call myself, Gabe, a, a follower of Christ, because I knew him as my Savior, but not necessarily my Lord. But boy, I learned how to pray. Yeah. Now that, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and even if I didn't, uh, wouldn't say that I was following him, saying every day, I just knew God was with me. You know, that whole thing of Emmanuel, that God is with you. I knew that every day. I read my Bible every day. I said the Lord's Prayer. And then I, we'd go out and fly. And you just didn't know what was going to be happening. And I think one of the things that, that really helped me was just kind of feeling, even though I was in a solo uh, airplane, you know, where, uh, and we were facing uh, enemy fire every day and, 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 the, uh, and getting shot at, where yeah, just to give you a bit of an experience of what it's like, we had six radios on the go in the airplane at one time. Yeah, we had our own uh, uh, rockets and and, uh, and and guns that we could take into combat. We'd usually be called in the first one that was on the scene. We'd have these different radios talking to someone on the ground, talking to someone else. But when fighters would come in, we'd check them in. And we'd become like a mobile control tower to allow the airplanes to come in and drop the bombs uh, after we'd expended our ordinance. And, and so uh, the workload was really, really high, but we had to learn to make the airplane kind of be part of us, yeah. And, and I think what I kind of, as I was reflecting on it, what I learned there was, you know, one of the things that'll keep us going through this is just do what you've been taught to do. Do what you've been trained to do, just keep it going, you know. You're not there by accident, yeah. And you've been given certain abilities and gifts and, and how to do things. So just, hey, keep your head down. Keep doing what you know you've been called to do. That, I think, was a really important lesson for me in Vietnam. And, uh, uh, and, and that whole sense of knowing that, that God was with me, and, and it, it really helped me a lot. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's, that's really powerful. Uh, just as we're facing stress, as we're facing anxiety, uh, stay focused, do what you've been trained to do, do what the Lord has put right in front of you. Yeah. And how did you, were there things that helped you learn how to stay focused? Because you, you're, you're being shot at daily and yeah. yet you have to perform at a very, very high level and it's life and death. So were there, were there things that you, they, they, they taught you as a part of your training to help you stay very focused in some perilous situations? Yeah. Uh, wow, that's a really good one. But how did we? How did they say focus? Um, I think it was that we knew what our mission was, and and having that kind of in the back of our mind, you know, that we were there to um, stop the spread of communism, and there were people on the ground who were entrusting in you to to kind of like I said, do your job, yeah, and 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 so I just think. Uh, and they had taught us, look, uh, to lower the risk of you getting shot down, here's some certain things you have to do. Like, for instance, every nine seconds, we had to change uh, the, the direction we were flying. So we could never be flying just straight and level all the time. We had to, to be moving or what we call jinking uh, ever so often. We had to uh, change our altitude, change our height, change our speed. 
And that had to become almost second nature, yeah, because you're spending all the rest of the time uh, acting as this platform of, uh, of uh, mobile control tower where you could, you know, keep track of all the other airplanes flying around in there, uh, deliver artillery where you needed to, to deliver. There were helicopters flying around all the time as well. So your visual cues just, you know, you had to be outside of yourself. And I, I think maybe the focus was, uh, yeah, don't focus on yourself, you know, focus on you know, your job on what has to go on outside, you know, and, and you don't have a lot of time for poor little old me, you know, what's wrong, what's going on. You know, it's, it's about uh, just go out there and do the job. Yeah. And, and keep focused on, on, on what's up there. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that's any help or not, but that's, that's really what it was all about for me. Yeah. Just trying to. That's good wisdom. And I think that translates right now to this, this current season, because uh, now more than ever, I think we're called to ask the Lord, okay, God, what's my mission in this? What's yeah. my role to play uh, in this season? What are you specifically asking me to do? Yeah. And in a way, that's a way, that's just part of a way of saying, God, what's my mission in this season in the, coming, yeah. in the coming months? I, well, go ahead. Yeah, I really found that out when, when we uh, left the Air Force and we set up our, our own business. You know, and here we were in a foreign country. We had no, uh, no one staking us in terms of bankrolling us to get a business started. We just had to start from scratch. You know, we're given three leads and, and off you go. And um, I, I think for me, uh, the, the, the thrill of that was that I just knew I was doing what God had called me to do. Yeah. And, and there's something so um, empowering, no matter what comes your way, if you know you're just doing what you're supposed to be doing. You know, like, mm -hmm. I guess Gideon, you know, when he, when he found out and finally heard from God what he was supposed to be doing, he just, he just did that. And uh, Simon Sinek wrote a, a book recently, and I, we read it when I was on holiday, uh, called The Infinite Game. Uh, and, and he outlined in there that the companies that seem to, to really prosper and keep going, they don't go for the short-term game. They're playing the game as if it was an infinite game as if it was going to last forever, yeah. And he says the, the, the sense of that is that the companies that seem to, to maintain their, their just cause, yeah, what he calls a just cause, for you and me, and I guess for those that might be listening, it's around having a, you know, a kingdom business. You know, you're doing something to build the kingdom. Yeah, then God is calling you into that to build a kingdom. And, and it, because it's a just cause, and you know God's called you into it, well then, hey, just you know, live a life on purpose. Yeah, yeah. And just keep focused, and knowing that He's with you, so therefore, um, uh, you know, He won't let you stray. Yeah, He'll He'll yeah. He'll keep you. Yeah, yeah. And that's a that's to remember what you just said. That's that stabilizes us during uncertain times. It's like an anchor to come back to. An anchor. I may yeah. not know what's going to happen, uh, but I know God has called me to do this. I know God is with me, and so I'm just going to continue to do what's right in front of me to do. So, yeah. well, you you started with a couple cold calls. You figured out <laughs> you, you did a few things right uh, over four decades of coaching leaders, and you've been you've been coaching leaders really all over the world on mm. an international level. You've been coaching very influential leaders uh, for large companies. But when you reflect over the last 40 years, what are, what are some of the most common things that you find yourself saying to leaders, uh, especially during, again, uh, times of uncertainty? 
Yeah. I think almost every leader, well, because of who they are, are, will find themselves at times feeling on their own, feeling alone, feeling uh, cut off, uh, and lacking the confidence and, and drive to maybe make the changes that they think are, are having to be made in there. And uh, so I think what, one of the things that, that leaders ask me to help them with very often is how to think through making the change that are needed in order to uh, build the team, in order to uh, uh, use their time effectively. That's another thing. You have, most business people have so many priorities coming in, they don't know really where to start. How do I decide what's really the most important to be doing right now? Yeah. And how do I get rid of those things that don't? Um, most, most business leaders aren't very good at delegating. They, they really aren't good at, at releasing uh, uh, part of their role just and trusting someone else because they think they can do it even better. And uh, one of the things I, I, I find myself saying to them, leaders, well, look, leader, you may be able to do the work of three people, but you're not three people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, so don't try to be three people. Just be you build on your strengths, do what you really do well, and then delegate to other people and trust them to do. Yeah. And, and there's a, uh, some really good checks and balances you can use on uh, helping other people and empowering them that, that'll really make a difference. Yeah. So I think mm -hmm. it's, yeah. How do I get the best out of my people and how do I use my time most effectively? Those are probably. Yeah. The yeah. Yeah. Uh Joe, the last thing I want to ask you about is, you know, you, you're a, a man that uh, has had some really unique experiences. You've got some fascinating stories to share. But when I, when I sit with you, you're not telling old stories. You're leaning forward. Yeah. You're, you're curious about what God is going to do next. And I think that's, I, I love that. I love your approach to life of you're still curious. You've got this holy curiosity of God, what are you doing today? What are you going to do tomorrow? How, how have you cultivated that over the years? Yeah, it's, uh, that's a really good question. I think, as I said, uh, uh, the Lord was really patient with me about uh, until I gave him uh, the Lordship, you know, when I was, yeah, there was a time when I was saying, uh, and I said, well, uh, thank you, Lord, for saving, or thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Yeah. But then when there's, there came a point in time, and he said, finally said to me, well, are you going to please man? Or are you going to please me? Yeah. Mm. You got a choice to make. Yeah. And it was at one of those crucial, uncertain times in my, in my life. And it's a big story in itself. But I just heard almost as if you and I are talking. The Lord said to me, all right, well, you, you got a choice, Joe. You can either uh, please man or you can please me. Which one are you going to do? And it swapped, and it just was like a 180-degree shift in my thinking. When, when I started to uh, unravel, and I'm still doing that, about what does it mean to really trust Jesus with every, every fiber of your being? Yeah. And, 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 and then hearing what he said. And I think one of the things that, that has been really good is that God will speak to you. And, and God speaks to, to, to me if I give him the time, and if I don't hear anything new from God, I just hang on to what he told me last, yeah, and I'll just keep working that until he tells me something new, and, and so 
I think a lot of it for me is just learning that lesson of, of really keeping close check on what, 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 what Jesus is saying, what Jesus is doing in your life, and then, and then hanging on. And, you know, there's that old expression, isn't there, about uh, uh, hope is defined as holding on and praying expectantly. Yeah. Well, that's certainly what God has put on my life, is that I, I feel that if I hold on, I pray expectantly, that God's going to show up and he's going to, uh, uh, through his spirit, let me know what do I need to be doing today that will really yeah. honor him, that will glorify yeah. him. And because I have a, a mission that I know is going to last longer than my life, yeah, I'm, I'm on something that's, that, that I'm going to die and my, part of my purpose still won't be fulfilled. So therefore, mm -hmm. it just gives me hope and energy. And uh, I, I think I told you this a little bit, it's just but so good. Zig Ziglar said something one time that really helped. He said, uh, there's nothing ever been accomplished without enthusiasm. And he said, you know what enthusiasm is? Enthusiasm was the expression they used to describe first century Christians. And, and the enthusiasm comes from entheos, which means you're in God or God's in you. Yeah. And so they, they were describing these first century, you know, set the world on fire Christians as being entheos, yeah. And then uh, Zig, in his way, if you've ever heard him speak or, or uh, heard about him, he said, you know what the IASM and enthusiasm stands for? Uh, and I said, no, no, what does that stand for? He said, that stands for I am sold myself. Yeah, yeah that's good. So that if I'm sold uh, and I'm enthusiastic, yeah, then I can accomplish so much just with having that attitude of, of expectancy that God's going to show up and, and he's going to take you through and you can handle whatever uh, the world throws at you. Yeah. Yep. And you have lived that well yourself <laughs> and your life bears the fruit of that. So Joe, thanks for sharing today. This is, this has been so rich. It's wisdom from a sage. And so I really appreciate you. you. And guys can find out more about you on your website. It's joeroberts.com. It's georoberts.com. Again, you coach uh, leaders all over the world and then and you write as well. You're going to be releasing videos uh, in the coming weeks. So I encourage guys to check out your website. So Yeah, well, thank you. No, thanks, Gabe. It's been a great opportunity. And, and if this does anyone any good, I, then uh, yeah, we pray the Lord will bless it. Yep. And the last thing, Joe's also a fire team leader. So he's one of our men's group leaders. Say something about your fire team in the, the group <laughs> meeting. Yeah. So um, we meet at uh, 10 o'clock on a, on a Friday, uh, about every three weeks. And uh, we've been meeting, obviously, at New Life. We're going to have to change that, aren't we? So we've got a little bit of uncertainty there. So we'll probably do it on Zoom uh, uh, online instead. Uh, but it's usually a group of people who are in, in business who have been in business or maybe at that point where they're making some kind of changes and they think, okay, I've, I've been productive for this part of my life, but what's next for me? So it's kind of a what's next time. So we get together, there's about uh, eight or nine of us that, that get together and, and we share what God has put into our hearts and have some time to chat that through. And then uh, I, I'm really there to help develop other people to be fire team leaders. Yeah, so that, that's kind of what's going on for me. That's my mission is to help release them. And we've been pretty successful in the past of doing that. And so we'll, we'll want to continue that. So if, yeah, if guys would like to know uh, how do they lead a, a small group uh, and so that it's really productive and it's on fire and it's, uh, 
and it's vibrant and, and brings life to people that are there, then uh, hey, uh, come come tune in and uh, yeah, we'll help you help you out. And there's info about Joe's group and all the other fire teams as well on our website at newlifechurch.org. Joe, you're a saint. You're a good man. Thanks for thanks for sharing. Thanks for being with us today. I appreciate you a lot. Well, thank you, Pastor Gabe. I really appreciate this. It's been a good time. Yeah. Have a great okay. day. You yeah. too. God bless. Bye-bye.